This is The Space Shot, episode 320 for March 30th, 2018. Reused rockets and white sands. I'm John Molnix. On March 30th, 2017, SpaceX launched the SES-10 satellite, which is a geostationary communications satellite. This launch may sound routine, but in fact, this mission marked a, quote, historic milestone on the road to full and rapid reusability as the world's first reflight of an orbital class rocket. Falcon 9's first stage for the SES-10 mission provided support for the successful CRS-8 mission in April of 2016. Earlier this morning, SpaceX launched another reused rocket that carried 10 Iridium Next satellites into orbit. In the one year between the first reflight of a first stage booster and today's launch, SpaceX has reused boosters a total of 10 times. Let that sink in for a second. They proved a capability that no other company or government had been able to accomplish and repeated that feat 10 times in a year. Not all of the boosters have been recovered after flying for a second time. Ultimately, this boils down to SpaceX moving to the Block 5 variant of their rocket, which includes design changes that make it easier for the Falcon 9 to be flown again with minimal maintenance between launches. Their goal is a 24-hour turnaround, and I'm looking forward to that. The Iridium launch earlier today kicks off a busy 30-day period for SpaceX with the first flight of the Block 5 Falcon 9 in late April. It's going to be a very fun month for SpaceX fans. On March 30, 1982, the Space Shuttle Columbia came back to Earth, completing the STS-3 mission. Normally, the Space Shuttle landed at Edwards Air Force Base in the early days of the shuttle program, But this mission didn't land there because of flooding at the lake bed. Astronauts Jack Lausma and Gordon Fullerton brought Columbia back to Earth at an unusual landing spot, White Sands Space Harbor, which is just outside of Las Cruces, New Mexico. The story of choosing White Sands as a landing spot is recounted in Lausma's oral history that's available at the Johnson Space Center website. I'll be linking to it in the show notes. I'm going to read a longer excerpt from his oral history because it's a really interesting look at a period of spaceflight that tends to get glossed over. Quote, We were also landing on lake beds in those days. Our intent was to land on the lake bed out at Edwards. We could be the third landing out there. About a week before the mission, Gordo and I were in quarantine at Johnson Space Center in trailers inside of that big house down there. That's where we stayed for Skylab 2, over by the gym. Chris Kraft came in and he says, Hey fellows, it's raining down in California. The lake bed is wet. Next week, when you want to land there, it's going to be muddy. What do you want to do? We talked with him about it for a while, and we decided that there was only a couple of other places we could go. There was a lake bed at White Sands, the Northrop Strip, New Mexico, and if we couldn't land there, we could be the first guys to try the runway at the Cape, which was 15,000 feet long and 300 feet wide. I wish they'd made it half as wide and twice as long, but so far it's worked real well. We know a lot more about what the shuttle does when it comes down than we did at the time, so we were playing it safe. Of course, out on the lake bed, you can make a runway that's six or seven miles long and crisscrosses them, so if they don't get the right one, they can try another one. 
We liked that because we weren't totally sure that the guidance system was going to get us back exactly where we wanted to be. I said, let's try the lake bed at White Sands because we've done a lot of training out there and we know the terrain. We might not have all the navigational support out there, and there's only one runway instead of several. If the weather's not too bad, we can see from a long way out. Chris said, well, I can't guarantee the weather, but if you're willing to give it a shot with using the cape as a backup, we're willing to go with that. I said, let's do it. Originally, STS-3 was meant to land a day earlier than it did, but a bad windstorm at White Sands meant that Lausma and Fullerton enjoyed an extra day in space. According to Lausma, quote, That was great because it was an extra day in our world's favorite vacation spot, and we didn't have any eighth day on the flight plan. We finally had a chance to look out the window and enjoy being there. Who can argue with an extra day in space? Plus, they became the only astronauts to land at White Sands Space Harbor. If you ask me, that sounds like the best way you could end a mission. Tomorrow, Sir Isaac Newton and ISIS-2. I hope all of you have a fantastic rest of your day. I appreciate each and every one of you that listen to the podcast every day. Since you're here and I've got your ear, give me 30 seconds of your time. I'd be incredibly grateful if you could share the podcast with your friends and family. Tag one of them and let them know about your favorite episode. I'd also really appreciate it if you could venture into the Apple Podcasts app or your podcast app of choice and leave a review for The Space Shot. A steady stream of reviews helps ensure The Space Shot is more visible in the Apple Podcasts app. As always, the show notes have more information on today's episode. You can hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. Find me at John Molnix. I'm always up to chat. You can also connect with me on Facebook. Just search The Space Shot or check out the links in the show notes and you'll find me. I'm John Molnix and I'll catch you on the flip side.